Public Radio in San Francisco. I'm Mina Kim. Coming up on Forum, San Francisco is changing how it responds to mental health emergencies by taking police out of the equation. It's a new effort that could be a model for other cities and states. We learn more. Then Julian Castro is still hitting the campaign trail. After his failed bid to be the Democratic presidential nominee, he's working to increase voting rates and on turning Texas blue. We'll also talk about the election, the border and more, and what Castro thought of last night's presidential debate. Join us. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. San Francisco is launching a major change in policing by taking most psychiatric, behavioral, and substance abuse crisis calls out of the hands of police officers. The city will use unarmed teams with a paramedic, mental health professional, and peer advocate to respond to those calls instead. Here to tell us more is NPR correspondent Eric Westervelt. Thanks so much for joining us, Eric. Glad to be here. Happy Friday. Thanks. Happy Friday to you, too. You know, this sounds like a major change for the department. So so how much were mental health-related emergencies part of their regular work? Yeah, I think it's going to be a big change. It's set to launch at the end of next month if all goes right. I think there'll be a lot of eyes on how this rolls out. San Francisco will really be the largest city to try to test this at scale. It's loose, uh, based sort of loosely on a, a program that's been running for 30 years in Eugene, Oregon, called CAHOOTS, that have really removed police, in most cases, out of these crisis calls for people in a mental, uh, emotional, or substance abuse uh, or social crisis. And so I think a lot of the nation will be watching it, and it's a big deal to your question. I mean, removing police from this, it's no small shift. I mean, these kind of calls can account for 25 percent or more of all police calls for service. In Eugene, it's it's been 25 percent for, for more than 20 years of these calls. So if you add in calls for issues with complaints surrounding homelessness, the number shoots up even higher. So we're talking about a, a lot of calls that are now, uh, if this goes right, will be re- redirected to these mobile crisis street response teams. Is it is it essentially the fire department that will be leading this? Yeah, the fire department and the city's health department are taking the lead here to create these teams. It will be built off of teams that are already existing called EMS-6. San Francisco is kind of a pioneer in taking these paramedic units that get special and extra training in both um, dealing with folks in a mental health crisis as well as substance abuse and homelessness. Um, They've been at it for a long time. Sometimes a a social worker from the health department goes out with these teams. They're now going to essentially uh, scale that up, beef these teams up, um, add in, in addition to, you know, a paramedic and a counselor, would be it a social worker or a psychologist. They're also going to add someone um, who has some lived experience, perhaps with with substance abuse and recovery, hmm. and with with homelessness. And the idea is that you know these folks will respond most of the time. They're going to start fairly slowly taking over these what are called the Code 800 calls uh, in police parlance, and that's and you quoting from the language there. It's it's you know folks in a mental uh, call for a mentally disturbed person is the sort of the archaic and outdated uh, language around that. They're going to start small and you take over those, but it's it's not that small. I mean, this broad catch-all, they get 
I think they averaged 17,000 of those eight code 800 calls last wow. year, according to San Francisco police data, and more than 22,000 overall for people in a mental or behavioral crisis. So, you know, this is a lot of calls that they're going to be taking over. And there will be other police codes. The idea is that they will slowly take over over time, including these other broad categories like check on well-being. They can get tens of thousands of calls, the police can, for these sort of check on well-being calls that can be anything from someone who's fallen down to someone who's in a uh, mental crisis. So slowly these teams will start to take over a significant number of nonviolent calls that the San Francisco Police Department uh, currently Yes, and I have to have to point out, this is a really vital point, the vast majority of those Code 800 calls um, were nonviolent. Of those, you know, 17,000, nearly 17,000 Code 800 calls, the police data show only about 130 of them reported a potential for violence or a weapon. So we're talking a tiny, tiny percentage of them hmm. uh, really involves the threat of violence. Well, let me see if our listeners have any questions or reactions to this new program that San Francisco is rolling out, where it will basically take most mental health-related crisis calls out of the hands of police in terms of reactions and hand them over to unarmed mobile teams with, as Eric Westervelt is saying, paramedics, a mental health professional, someone with lived experience in alcohol or drug abuse. If you have questions or comments, 866-733-6786 is the number to call, and the time to call is now 866-733-6786, or post them on Twitter or Facebook at KQED Forum, or email your questions to forum at kqed.org. So, Eric Westerbelt, are the police supportive? Well, that's a tricky question. They're, they declined to uh, be interviewed for the story I, I just did for NPR and released a kind of uh, banal statement just saying, you know, we're supportive of Mayor Breed's uh, reforms and we know they're going to take effort and hard work, but they would not sit down for interviews on the topic. And folks who I've talked to in the health and fire departments say there's cooperation, but there's apprehension. I mean, this is the police giving up in some ways some, potentially some uh, of their budget, of power, authority, and calls. And there's been some snarky comments um, on, on social media and in closed Facebook groups saying, you know, good luck with this. You'll be calling when you need us. Uh, we know you can't do it on your own kind of thing. And so I think among the rank and file, there is some potential resistance. And, you know, then again, other cops might say, you know, this is kind of social work. We didn't get into policing to do this. Let them take it over. But there is apprehension and concern that, you know, what replaces it, they want to be able to handle these calls appropriately um, and efficiently. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, stepping back a, a bit, I mean, clearly the, the, the protests and, the, and resistance that we, we saw this summer in the streets, you know, have people trying to reject and really change the sort of one-size-fits-all approach to policing we're seeing in America, where cops respond to everything from a stolen car and a traffic accident to someone in a mental health or addiction crisis. So cities are vowing to sort of redirect and reorient um, police from these nonviolent crisis calls. And, you know, there's going to be some pushbacks uh, from police because this is a substantive uh, and large change. Well, Rosie sounds supportive. Rosie writes, I had a front row seat to a bungled police attempt to deal with a naked young man who walked into an intersection and blocked a busy street. Soon over a dozen police cars arrived. When I asked one of the policemen why there were so many cars, he replied that someone had made a call about an officer in danger. In fact, no officer was in danger until one of the female police officers tried to tackle the naked young man who was no danger to anyone. A behavioral expert would have been more able to establish a relationship on the boy's terms to get into his world and work with him gently to leave mm. the intersection and hopefully urge him to go with an officer to get treatment. 
Yeah, and I mean, she, that's probably what's driving this. Yes, Eric. You're it, exactly. I mean, she makes a great point. I mean, the, the folks that are going to be taking this over are going to be trained in de-escalation and in crisis response. They're not going to be carrying weapons or tasers or necessarily flashing badges, um, although they will have uniforms. They won't be rolling up with lights uh, flashing. And, and that in itself can make a big difference. I mean, police are trained, um, you know, to, they get a lot of training on how to use their guns and tasers, far less far less on how to de-escalate. So like the teams in, in Eugene, Oregon, and the program that's been has pioneered this response for more than 30 years called CAHOOTS, you know, they get extra training in de-escalation and crisis response. Uh, they could send a message from, from the get-go when the 911 call comes in that, you know, we're responding with this mobile team that's, you know, not going to be showing up with guns. And, you know, this is important too, out of the more than 24,000 calls a year in Eugene, uh, this, these teams had to call for backup for by police just 150 times. Just think about that, 24,000-plus calls, only 150 times. So it's very rare, less than 1%, did they need backup. And, you know, the SF numbers from the police department, as I mentioned, show that um, these encounters are very, very rarely uh, violent as well. Well, let me go next to Chris in Santa Rosa. Hi, Chris. Good morning. Go right um, ahead, my yeah. My son is an officer uh, in Novato, and I think this is very timely because we talk a lot about uh, his safety. And I've always worried about him because, as your guest has said, he's, he's trained tactically. He knows how to defend himself, um, but he's not a psychologist or a psychiatrist. And I think it's well past time that we have that kind of a division in every police department around the country because of the homeless homelessness, the drug addiction, the mental health issues. That shouldn't be a police officer's responsibility, in my opinion. And I worry about him every day, not because of his inability to take care of himself, but if you'll excuse my expression, the crazies that are out there just to kill police officers because they're you know, wigging out on or ODing on drugs or, or mental health issues. So I am very much in favor of this. You got my vote on this. Thank you. Chris, thanks. Uh, and let me just quickly try to grab this call from Michelle in Novato. Hi, Michelle. Hi. Um, my question is about budget realignment. Um, you know, this uh, responsibility being taken away from the SFPD and given to the health department um, is a big shift in responsibility. Is the money going to follow? And I'm specifically thinking about when the state hospitals closed down and there was like, oh, this is terrible. You know, let's get these folks out of here and into the community and we'll give the money to the community. The money didn't follow enough to meet the need. Um, and I also kind of see this happening with school resource officers like, oh, school resource officers, bad idea. Let's get them out. They're out in San Rafael. But the money isn't there for um, for counselors. And so that's my question is, how are we going to get the money? It's a really good one, Michelle, especially right now when we know that the city is facing budget constraints. Eric West, about the cost of this and will the, uh, you know, basically the fire department and other people get the resources and support they need? Yeah, make a good point, especially given COVID-19 and, and budget crises. Um, my understanding is the health department and, and the fire department have already budgeted for this, and it's part of Mayor Breed's broader strategy and pledge from this June to sort of recreate and rethink 
think a lot of emergency responses uh, around the lines of, of equity for black and brown people and to adequately fund it. Whether that you know funding with, with council and, and the rest of the uh, what's going on in the city will be funded fully over time will be something everyone will have to, to watch. Everything's looking good on, on paper. Uh, everything's looking good in terms of launching this by the end of the year. But funding will be key. I will say the bigger picture, the money issue is the Eugene and Springfield, Oregon programs have shown they cost about uh, two million. Uh, I'm sorry, they've saved more than two million a year. Uh, I'm sorry, 15 million in savings through diversion from both emergency room visits and jail, 15 million a, a year. So that's significant savings when you're not routing these people to jails and emergency rooms. And our jails, I will point out, as we as we know, they, they are kind of the new, quote unquote, asylums. Uh, they've taken over our our mental health services given the sort of shameful lack of community mental health services uh, in America. And this program is part of an effort to change that dynamic. Well, it certainly sounds like our listeners are supportive of this effort, and I know that you'll be following how it plays out closely. So thank you so much. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. NPR correspondent Eric Westervelt talking about a new San Francisco program that will take most mental health-related crisis calls out of the hands of police. Julian Castro is joining us next, so stay with us for that. I'm Mina Kim. This is Forum.